Baptism is a part of what it means uh, to be a Christian. It's, it's one of those things that, and in some ways, uh, if you came in on a Sunday morning and you're not used to being in church or around church situations and you saw us baptizing people, you might think that's kind of strange or kind of weird because uh, it looks that way. I mean, you're dunking people in water. I used to get in trouble with that as a kid at the swimming pool, and now it's safe. It's good for us to do. Uh, in fact, we celebrate it. So I don't understand why I got in trouble when I was a kid. Um, but maybe you did too. I don't know. Um, anyway, when we talk about baptism, what we're celebrating is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in order that people like you and people like me, people throughout the whole world, can be reconciled to God, to uh, come back into a family relationship with the God who created us and made us. And the foundation of that is that really we're not. We're broken in our relationship to God. We see that happening right immediately in, uh, in Genesis, that man and woman, they, they reject God in, in favor of being their own God, of making their own choices, of doing their own thing. And it breaks the relationship. And we live under that, the shadow of that, for our whole lives in a broken state apart from God. And so what baptism does is it celebrates, it shows, is a big picture of, of what God has done for us through Jesus. And so I don't want us to have small thoughts about baptism. I want us to have big thoughts about baptism. Now, this may be that it's new to you, the whole concept of people you know, being baptized. It may be that you have been a Christian like, you know, since you were a little kid and, and uh, you've been around church for your whole life. And, and so this teaching this morning, it, it could be that it's just going to help you because it's like, okay, now I know as I'm following Jesus, crossing the starting line of faith, saying, yeah, I believe in Him, I'm turning away from the way I used to be, and now I'm going to follow Him. It could be for you that this message is going to help you because it's going to help you know what to, the next step is. For those of us who've been around a while, maybe it's like, well, we just need refreshed about, okay, what does this mean and why do we do this? And, you know, maybe it'll help you as you're talking to friends or family members who actually, they, they look at the Christian faith and just have lots of questions. They don't understand why it is we do what we do. And so that's my uh, goal this morning is to help us to understand that baptism is a big deal and that believers should be baptized. I mean, if you don't get anything else from the rest of the message, believers should be baptized. I mean, that's the big thrust. That's the big idea that I want us to hear uh, throughout, uh, throughout the morning. Um, a few a while back uh, up in the city, Brian uh, shared with me that uh, there was a guy who came into the meeting and he said, you know, they were having a baptism Sunday. And, and after the meeting, the guy came in and said, wow, man, this is a cool church. And Brian's like, yeah, thanks. And he goes, you got a hot tub and lights and music. You guys can have a really ba- big party around here. And, you know, it's, it's fun to, to hear that kind of language. I, I actually enjoy the fact that as Jubilee Church, we expect people to come in and not know a whole lot about what we do or why we do it. That, that's to be expected. Because that's why we're here. We're to help people who are far from Jesus come to know and be in a close relationship with Jesus. So if that's you today, you think, hey, it's a cool hot tub. Glad you have it here. Uh, Hey, we're excited you're here with us today. Uh, Enjoy this. So look at verse uh, 12 there, and and we see this. It says, "...having been buried with Him in baptism, in which also you were raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead." So we're in this kind of in him section in Colossians. We've been going through the above all series now for a while. Uh, and, but, and you'll notice this phrase gets used a lot, in Christ or with Christ or in him. And it's a fantastic place for us to be. This, is, this passage about baptism is all about Jesus. Because the reality is baptism 
is all about Jesus. It's a celebration of who He is and what He's done for us. I mean, Jesus came into this world. He was born. He had to go through the birth canal just like you and I, every one of us did, okay? He was born like any other human being. He lived like any other... He went through puberty. His voice cracked when he talked and, you know, all those things. He had probably pimples on his face and all the whole deal. He had to worry about paying his bills. He had to... He had to be concerned about taking care of aging parents. He had to be concerned about brothers and sisters that were, you know, needed to be, because he was the older brother, he had to take care of those guys sometimes. I mean, he had real situations. He had friends who died, and he had to grieve with them. He had, uh, he had opportunities to see people get better and, and get fixed and get well. And it, he lived the whole gamut of life that we lived. But this Jesus, he's, he's like us in every way except for one. He, he actually never sinned. He never like, looked at God and said, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I don't want to have anything to do with you. We say that in our hearts a lot, but Jesus never, ever said that in his heart. He always did exactly what God the Father wanted him to do. And part of that is that he went to the cross. He went to the place that was filled with suffering and shame. It was a, a shameful thing to be hanged on a cross. It wasn't something that you did with pride. It's something you did out of shame. And he, he took our shame on the cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But then he was raised again to life. And this is our hope. We have this hope that just as Christ was crucified, buried, and raised up, and, and now He's seated at the right hand of God the Father, we have this hope in us that through this life, in this life, uh, we will be raised too. We'll be raised with Him because we are in Christ. That's the hope of the believer. Okay? Our sin is no longer counted against us. I love, we did like these last two or three songs, and it's just like booming out, booming out, booming out about what Jesus has done for us, how much He has done for us. And, and Rick's word about the love of God that just keeps coming to us. Man, it's just it's powerful. It just makes my soul really sing inside and out. And, and so baptism is something that Jesus gave to us because He wants to demonstrate, to show us, to paint us a portrait and say, here is what I have done for you. So in baptism, when you get baptized, here's basically what you're saying. Jesus died for me. Jesus was buried for me. Jesus rose again for me. The life that Jesus has, I have. The inheritance that Jesus gets, I get. It's an amazing, amazing gift. And this is one of the ways that we actually proclaim the gospel. We call it an, an ordinance. That it's something that demonstrates to the people around us, this is what God has done for us in Christ. It's an outward expression of what has already happened inside of us. This is what baptism is. It's an outward expression of an inward work that God has already done. It demonstrates an inward reality that because of the death, burial, and resurrection, we get to share in what Christ has done for us. Our old life is dead. The life that used to rebel against God, the life that used to uh, push back against Him is actually dead. Paul uses the word circumcision there to kind of help us see that it's something that's been cut off. It's no longer to be a part of who we are. It's dead. What do you do with dead things? Well, baptism says, well, we, you, if you had something dead, you want to bury it, right? I mean, you want to get rid of it, you know? I don't keep dead things in my house. I try to get rid of them. I bury them. And that's exactly what we see in baptism. It's a kind of circumcision. It's a cutting away, not a circumcision made by hands, but the circumcision made by God, putting off the old flesh, that old thing that wanted to rebel against God. So basically, 
Baptists are saying, yeah, this is what happened to me. When Christ died, I died. When Christ raised, I was raised. A few years back, a guy came to Jubilee and, uh, and he, he just he said, uh, hey, look, here's... He said, I feel like something weird's happening. He's kind of freaked out just a little bit. And he's like, um, I feel like that the old unbelieving part of me has like died. And now he, I really want to believe now. Before I didn't, but he said, something's happened overnight here. And I just... I'm a little concerned, I'm a little afraid, and it's like, well, that's what we're talking about. That old, unbelieving self dies. And there's a desire, there's a hunger now to believe, oh, this is what God has actually done for me. And Jesus does that. He puts to death our old life. He, he puts it to death. We bury it. We have a funeral. So baptism is like a funeral service, in a sense. It's, it's putting to death, it's burying the old life. And when you come up out of that baptismal water, I love saying this, you, you've been buried in Christ's likeness and you've been raised to new life. You've got a whole new life ahead of you now. It's an amazing, amazing thing. It celebrates a great reality of what Christ has done for us. There's a couple of analogies that we like to use, that I like to use to help people kind of understand uh, that it's a demonstration of what is already a transaction that's already taken place. We have uh, recently had a couple of young men go into the military. Uh, you know, uh, Jake Arnold's gone into the Marines, and, and uh, Matthew Holes has gone into the Army. And, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I used, to, uh, I used to go to the Army Surplus Store in Springfield, Missouri. It was a great store. I mean, for a kid, it's just like you can just fantasize all the John Wayne movies you've ever seen, you know, uh, golden wings upon their chest, you know, and you just kind of get this whole... Fighting thing going on, and you think as a kid, yeah, I'm going to go out and fight the big things, and and you, so you put on. I, I did. I bought a marine hat, and I bought a marine, uh, t- you know, shirt, and and I would, you know, go out with friends. We had this big van that we would like get into, and it was opened up. And we'd be like the A team, crashing out the back doors and <laughs> TPing people's houses, you know. So you didn't hear that from me. You didn't hear that from me. Um, Anyway, you, we do these things. We're trying to be like soldiers. We could put on that uniform. Hey, but the reality is we're not soldiers. We wanted to be. We fantasized about what that might look like. We had no idea what it would be like, but we had this. We'd put on the uniform. Now, that didn't make, putting on a uniform didn't make us soldiers. Now, now, Jake and Matt, now they've gone through an induction ceremony. They've had to make some swearing certain allegiances and all those kinds of things. Then, guess what that happened? See, they, they, they gave themselves to the military, and then what happened was they were issued an, a uniform. So now when they wear a uniform, it has meaning. It has meaning. They have said, I'm a soldier and in the United States Marine Corps, in the United States Army, and, and so this is now the outfit that I wear. Baptism's like that. It's a demonstration. It's the uniform that we put on. Because of something that has already taken place. There was a swearing in. Jesus got a hold of us. We said yes to Him. We turned away from sin. We said, yeah, God, we want to follow You. It's like a wedding ring. This ring right here uh, is an amazing, amazing, magical thing. It made me married to Annette. I I went to the store, I bought it, and I put it on. Suddenly we were married, right? Yes? No. We went before Frank Pardue, our youth minister, and before about 250, 300 guests, and we swore to one another our love until death do us part. And after we did that, we demonstrated, we show our relationship of covenant to one another by taking rings, placing them on our fingers, 
and making continued vows that say, we are promising our future love and our current love to each other, and this is the symbol of our love. If I gave my ring to a, my ring to a single person and just said, hey, you want to be married? Here you go. Have a ring. You know, I mean, it's like, great. Now what do I do with it? You know, I mean, it's like there's nothing there. But because there were vows, there were covenants, then Annette and I, we're on the same team. I'm on team Annette. She's on team Steve now. We're sharing life together. Why? Because there's a covenant. What points to it? This, well, it's this sign. This is a sign. It's not just, hey, girls, I'm taken. You know, it's no, it's I have made a covenant relationship to a woman for a lifetime. This is what this is about. This is what it demonstrates. Baptism is like the ring. It shows that I have already, there has been a commitment made to Jesus. I'm his and he's mine. Okay? So those symbolisms, they kind of help us just a little bit to understand our relationship with Jesus, that baptism is an outward expression of what has already happened. Well, why should we get baptized then? Why is it we should get baptized? Well, the first is the joint piece of knowing that you've obeyed Jesus Christ. Matthew 28 says, hey, go make disciples. And one of the things he does is by that he just means followers of me, people who will, uh, will follow me. And he says, what you do then is making them, you baptize them. There's two things that you actually do. You baptize them and then you help them to mature. Two things you do when you're making disciples. And so baptizing, in one sense, is simple. It's like you've got water, go get them, you know, baptize them. It's, it's, it's not like in, uh, it's not in Nacho Libre, you know, where he takes his buddy Stephen and he says, I baptize you, you know, and suddenly it's not that. There was no faith in Stephen's heart. He didn't become a Christian just because he got his face wet in water. He, became, he didn't become one at all. He never believed. There was never faith as far as we, you know, in the movie. It's a, it's a deal of, no, we don't, it's not just about getting wet. It's, well, we, we actually make disciples. We, we, they learn and they say yes to Jesus, and then we baptize them, and then we mature them. You don't have to be a Christian very long. I mean, if you, like this morning, you say, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life, we could baptize you, we'll fill up the tank, we'll do it right now. I mean, it's not that hard to do. Because it's an obedience step. It's not a step where you have to have loads and loads and loads of information and go through classes and all. No, no, no. We'll mature you after we baptize you. Because baptism isn't a matter of being matured and then having some ritual done to you. No, it's a matter of you following Jesus and you saying, I'm going to put the ring on. I'm going to put the uniform on. I'm going to show that I'm his disciple. In Acts 2.38, it says that they repented... They believed in Jesus. They were baptized. This was the order that we see them happen. Some of us here today, you've been a Christian maybe for years. Maybe it's just weeks or months, but maybe even for years, and you've never been baptized. I had a buddy uh, back in Joplin that that was that way. It took him years. He just he kept thinking that it was like something he had to work to to attain to. And I kept saying, no, dude, just you believe Jesus. Just follow him. Just be baptized. Maybe it's your family that keeps you from being baptized. For him, it wasn't his family. It was more of his nerves. He was just uh, shy. He didn't like being in front of people. And so being shy is okay. There's nothing wrong with being shy unless it keeps you from obeying Jesus. Some people don't get baptized because they've grown out of a family unit. That The family basically has a different set of beliefs, and they, don't, they want to honor their parents. They don't want to disagree with their parents. They don't want to you know, be disrespectful or dishonoring. Well, it's good to honor your parents. I'm a dad. I love when my kids honor me. I get that. But 
obedience to Jesus is more important than, than this, than honoring your parents in that way. There's lots of ways to honor your parents, to, to live a way that really honors them. But this isn't one of This is a matter of obedient faith to follow Jesus. So if, if our shyness or our, or our concern or if we're going to dishonor our parents is standing between us and following Jesus, then, no, we want to lay those aside. We want to get baptized and obey Jesus. Secondly, it will strengthen and encourage your faith, and it will strengthen and encourage our faith as a people together. I mean, many people I've known, and this guy uh, that I was referring to from Joplin, when he got baptized, he's like, why didn't I do this before? Suddenly, he had a new sense of courage and faith to really believe God, where before he, he wasn't. He was afraid and shy. Now to get around him, it's like he loves to talk about Jesus. Before, he was just like, yeah, I don't really like, you know. There was something that emboldened him. But it emboldens us as a church. We see, yeah, God's at work. He's doing something in people's lives. He's transforming their hearts. And, man, it excites us as a church. I mean, Christians have been baptizing people for, you know, 2,000 years. And, you know, in all denominations, all groups of Christians agree on one thing here, that baptism is important to, to the faith. Now, how and when and, how, you know, all that may be somewhat different, but we all agree with that. There's no agree, disagreement here. There may be disagreement about how we do it or the order in which we do it, but there's no disagreement about the fact that it does need to be done and that it encourages your faith and encourages the church. So then the question is, well, how, how do we baptize or how should we baptize? What do we see in the Bible? And I just want to say about this that all these things that we're talking about, it's like what we want to do is we want to find them in the Scripture. We don't want to just like pull things out and say, well, I'll do this because it's more comfortable for me or I like this better or I don't like that. No, what we do is we look at the Bible and we say, oh, okay, this is the kind of the methodology. This is the way it happens in the Scriptures. This is what we do. We follow and obey what Jesus is teaching us here. And so we believe, uh, first of all, that you have to have to baptize lots of water and lots of people. Okay? Lots of water and lots of people. When you start looking at the biblical account of, of that baptism, you realize that almost every biblical account, no, every biblical account of baptism is around lots of water. So John the Baptist uh, in, in John uh, chapter 3 Excuse me, Jesus, in John chapter 3, he obeys the Father and he says, uh, he goes into the water, it says, and John baptizes him and they come up out of the water. He comes up out of the water. If you're sprinkling, you don't need a lot of water, right? And you don't come up out of the sprinkling can, okay? You, you, are, you, you actually have to have a lot there, okay? Now, the reason why this is important is because the, the word that we use for baptism comes from a Greek word. They would have used this word in... Uh, New Testament days, and it's baptizo. And basically, it's a word that means to immerse. It's the same word that they would have used like a, for a sinking ship. That ship that just went underwater, it's baptizo. It's, it's under the water. And so even just taking that word and realizing, oh, okay, yeah, so you, you've got to go under something. That's an important thing to realize. The second thing is to, to realize that when they baptized, there was always lots of water around. So Jesus, uh, he got baptized lots of water. This guy named Philip, he baptized a guy, an Ethiopian eunuch. And, and the Ethiopian guy says, okay, so what prevents me from being baptized? Well, actually, there were two, two things possibly. One thing Philip said was, well, first of all, you have to believe. So what prevents you from being baptized is this. You don't believe. If you don't believe the gospel, then we don't, we don't baptize you. Okay? That, that's, that's clear. 
The second thing about it is that there had to be lots of water. Because it says what they did is they went down into the water and then the eunuch being raised up out of the water, okay, was raised up out of the water. So they came up out of the water. You don't need lots of water for sprinkling, okay? Uh, and then it says about John the Baptist that actually he was baptizing in this one area, and the reason he was baptizing there is there was lots of water. So what do you need to get baptized? Well, lots of water, <laughs> okay? Well, not only lots of water... Um, but we need lots of people around. I'll get to that in just a second. Let me talk a little bit more about immersion. Sorry, I jumped my cog there. We, need, we immerse for this reason. It's a symbolism. I told you the definition, but it's also it's a symbolism of what actually happens to us. What happened to Jesus? Jesus was hanged on a cross. He died. He was buried. Baptism, immersion in particular, demonstrates for us the gospel. It shows that we are buried with Christ, right? And so immersion does that. It's, it's, a, it's a symbolism of the burial and resurrection. Sprinkling just can't do that. Effusion just can't do that. Um, we were once dead in our sins, but we're made now alive together in grace and power through the gospel. It's not that just we're like good people who need kind of a little sprinkling of grace. We're actually dead people who need to be absolutely made alive and saved. That's who we really are. If you're new to the church today, you need to know this about this group of people around you and myself as well. I needed to be saved. I needed to be rescued from my death of selfishness. And we all are the same way. We don't need just a little sprinkling. We need to be raised up. We need to be buried and raised it's by grace we're saved through faith, raised up to new life in Christ. So baptism is a sign. It points out some things, and it points to some things. What is it, what is it that bapti- baptism actually points out for us? Well, baptism, because it's about immersion, it's the clearest sign of, of what Jesus has done for us. Sprinkling is not a bad thing. It's not forbidden. In fact, there are times when it's probably appropriate. Okay, if someone's in the hospital and, and they've accepted Christ and they're on their deathbed, probably sprinkling is a great way, if there's no other option, to, to, to do that. Or if you're in a desert place and there's no other, nothing else around, you're probably not going to dunk them at that point in time. You're going to sprinkle some water on them. Okay? So we understand that. It's not like it's never. It's that the primary way that you see in Scripture is people are immersed. But assuming that there is a choice... Immersion is the best option because it demonstrates what the gospel is. It points a sign. It also, we see that there are lots of people. So John the Baptist, when he's preaching and he's calling people to repentance, there's always a big crowd around. There are loads and loads of people around. You see that except for the story about um, uh, Philip when he baptizes the eunuch. Those are the only two guys in the story. You don't see anybody else. But, but this same guy, Philip, when he's been in another place, Samaria, and he baptizes, it's like crowds and crowds and crowds of people. At the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, there's like 3,000 people who get saved. And so guess what? When they have a baptism service, wow, it's going to be hours and hours long of baptizing. A lot of water for that one, right? This, ma- this is a massive encouragement to the church because we love for people to meet Jesus. We love for people to follow Jesus. Okay, so then who should get baptized? Who should get baptized? We talked about why and how. Okay, but who? Who should get baptized? Well, this is where it gets a little challenging for us because there's two big major views 
And I realize I may give you a headache here, and I apologize ahead of time, so just try to follow me and be patient with me. Theologians kind of put us in two big categories, and they use a couple of kind of Greek uh, words. One is pedo, and the other is credo. Well, pedo is, it just means child or, or baby. And so, pedo Baptists basically baptize infants, children, babies. Uh, credo, which is what Jubilee Church is, credo, that means I believe. And so we, we baptize people based on a confession, based on faith that they, they already believe something, and therefore we will baptize them. And so that's kind of who we are. That's what we do. We, we won't baptize infants. Okay? We will only baptize those who can state that they're putting their faith in Jesus. So um, when you look at the Bible, it seems clear that this is the pattern of how you become a Christian. Uh, there's repentance, there's faith, and then there's baptism, okay? And there is an order there uh, for a reason. In, in Acts chapter 27, it says things like this. It says, they heard the word and they believed and then were baptized. But believe, hearing, believing, and baptizing are almost always in that order when you look at the book of Acts, which is kind of like the beginning story of how the church got started. And so we, we pay attention to that. Matthew 28, I mentioned that. We make disciples, we baptize them, we teach them. Okay, and so just language to put to that, we make them, we mark them, we mature them. There is an order that the scriptures give us about how that is accomplished, and it's an important order. You don't, um, you don't need to mark disciples before you make them. Okay, it doesn't make any sense to mark them and then make them, just like the military thing I told you about. You know, those, those soldiers don't put on a uniform and then they get sworn in. No, they get sworn in and then they put on the uniform. You don't need classes. You don't need to understand a bunch of doctrine. The Ethiopian eunuch just said, hey, what prevents me? Hey, it's faith. It's believing. That's what prevents. So we don't want to baptize people who don't believe. We don't baptize babies because we don't know if there's faith there or not. And you might put this thing out there. I mean, you know, theoretically, well, hey, uh, maybe the baby does have faith, right? Well, maybe and possibly. I mean, that God has done that, you know, that he's put faith in an infant's heart, I, I don't know that. I can't measure that very well. Um, but the thing is that it puts you in a position of trying to mark something that you don't really know about. So let's just take an example. Um, to, to the west here, let's say, I'm going to tell you guys, there's a Starbucks two miles to the west of the church building here. Now you get in your car, you drive down there, and you drive around, and you never find one because, well, there's really not one there, Okay. Two things are going to happen. One, you're mad because you're you know, confused about what just happened. And number two, you're mad because you're under-caffeinated and you're about ready to rip my head off. Okay? Yeah. See? I told you. Now, so uh, baptism being a sign there, it has to point to something. We don't advertise things that don't exist. Right? We don't put up signs that say, you know, Starbucks two miles and then not have one there. That's bad advertising. You want signs that are going to be bold, that are going to be seen, that are going to be comprehended, and that are going to be accurate. They're going to show you what is real and what is not real, right? And so if we baptize people before there's faith, we're basically, the people get confused because there's a sign that says, you're a Christian, and they're going, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. And they point back only, not to Jesus who saves, but they point back to a baptism that does not save. Baptism doesn't save you. Only Jesus saves you. We don't want to confuse people. And I know that in this city, in Washington, in Franklin County, in the St. Louis area, there are a lot of confused people 
Are you a Christian? Well, I was baptized when I was a baby. Well, are you following Jesus? What's that got to do with it? I thought I was a Christian. See, we, we get confused about it's baptism is a sign that's to point to something, but it's not. It's pointing somewhere that we don't know the destination or not. The second thing, there's, there, we don't baptize babies because the Bible doesn't say anything about baptizing babies. Nothing. I mean, there's two, there's two things that people will pull out. One is that there's a guy that says his whole household became Christians. His whole household became Christians, and they were, and they were baptized when they believed. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily, it's an assumption to say that even their babies were baptized. At best, it's an assumption. In, in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 16, uh, there's a passage that talks about it as well. And, and basically, in that passage, it says that, they, um, that those who were baptized served the Lord. Well, so they were at least old enough, not only to be baptized, but to serve. And so it kind of begins to break down. We just don't see infants uh, being baptized. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a big thing for us, we, that's why we don't baptize babies. Um, but why do, why do some people baptize infants, though? Because I, I want to give some reasoning for this, because it is a reality. And there's not, I mean, it's pretty good reasoning sometimes. I mean, when you look at the Old Testament, uh, Paul, when he writes here, he brings up circumcision. What was circumcision supposed to be? Well, it was a sign, a symbol, that you were part of the people of God, but it was a sign that was only given to the male children. Okay, On the eighth day, they were circumcised, and that was kind of how they knew they were part of the people of God. And so people kind of make this transition and say, well, because they circumcised babies in the Old Testament, then we baptize babies in the New Testament because baptism is the symbol, the sign of being part of the covenant community uh, of the church. Um, but there's a couple of glaring differences here that we really need to pick up on, okay? Uh, first of all, I voted, and all the guys here decided that we didn't, we'd rather be baptized than circumcised. And so, you know, one time we tried to do a circumcision service, but nobody showed up. And so we decided to just go for baptism instead. Um, <laughs> circumcision is only for male children in the Old Covenant. Baptism is for everybody in the New Covenant. Okay? For everybody, male and female. Um, but there's something else that's going on here. To be part of the people of God in the Old Testament, you actually had to be born in the right family. You had to be a Jew. You had to be born in that family. In, in, in Christianity, in the New Covenant, it's like, no, you are born again. And that can be for anybody. It doesn't matter what family you were born into. You could have been born into a family that, man, they, they went to church every Sunday and all this, but you, you're not a Christian. You may have been born in a family that was like totally like sinning, just all, never went to church a day in their lives, but you've accepted Christ and now you're part of the new covenant people of God. So there was a shift that took place between the physical of the Old Testament and now the spiritual in the New Testament. The sign of membership happens when you're a spiritual infant, not when you're a physical infant. We don't baptize babies, but we do baptize spiritual infants. So this morning, you may say, I want to follow Jesus. You would be what we say, a, a spiritual infant. We would baptize you in a heartbeat. 
Okay? As soon as we got the tank filled, we'd baptize you. We will not baptize babies, though, because they don't have, we don't know if they have faith or not. So what's the age limit? When do we baptize people? It's a bit variable, quite honestly. I've had kids, my own children, uh, some were baptized at like 6, 7, some 8, 9, 10. I mean, I just, I've got five kids, so just pick an age. You know, somewhere in there, we probably... But we did it not based on pressure, but basically asking them a whole lot of questions. I remember taking Ezra and walking through the park one day and just pelting him with... You know, he's like... Eight, nine years old, you know, and I'm like asking him all these questions about faith and why do you want to get baptized? I'm grilling him because I don't want him to get baptized simply because, well, my buddies are doing it. That, that just doesn't, that doesn't fly well. That's not faith. And so with each of the kids that we've, we've been privileged to baptize, all, all five of my kids, and actually seen Sheena, who's like our sixth kid, you know, we, Deborah baptized her. So it was exciting stuff to see. But we did it because there was an expression, hey, there's faith here. I believe I'm a sinner who needs saving, and Jesus has come to save me. Because it points to salvation, not the fact that they grew up in a Christian household. Um, I'm going I'm to have a couple of guys come up and give their testimonies just real quickly. Uh, because uh, two circumstances. One guy was baptized as an infant, and, uh, but recently last year was baptized as a believer. And so I just want him to share a little bit about that. And one guy that was baptized as a kid, but being baptized as a kid, I mean, this didn't happen to him. But it's like this, and some of you may have experienced this. You know, it's like your grandparents, they want you to get baptized. So they say, okay, look, you either get, you know, you're either going to go to hell or you're going to get baptized. If you, if you get baptized, we'll buy you ice cream. And so you figured, well, I don't like the idea of hell, and I really love ice cream, so I think I'll get baptized, you know. And so... I mean, I mean, literally, there's been that kind of pressure that kids have felt. It's like, they don't love Jesus, they just love ice cream, so they're going to get baptized, you know? Come on. And so, we, because of that, there are times when there were, are adults who say, well, I was dunked in water when I was a kid, but actually, there was no faith sustaining that. There was nothing to it. I was just doing it because. And so, uh, Adam and, and Bill, why don't you guys come up? Bill Schmelz and, and Adam Mitchell... Uh, I need that. Yeah, thank you. All right. I'll try not to get too much feedback here. Be on the ready back there. So, uh, Bill, I'll, I'll kind of chat with you for a second here. Come on over. Okay. Um, so, just tell me how, kind of, how did you grow up in, in terms of faith and stuff? Well, I was baptized Catholic as an infant, but we really never went to church. So, I, <clears throat> until got married and started having my own kids, then we became Catholic and and went to church there and. Uh, but <clears throat> that was kind of how that went. Yeah. Uh, and then once we, <laughs> once we uh, started coming here, and I guess what, what, uh, what got me to finally get baptized was I finally came to a realization that uh, everything I am, everything that I have, everything good in me is from God mm-hmm. and is not really mine at all. So why not? Yeah, you know. Yeah, why not just acknowledge that? Right. So there was there was faith in Jesus first. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so you just wanted to express that. Right. Awesome. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad you're here with us, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And and this is Adam, and uh, we baptized Adam just what a couple months ago. It's not been long. Yeah, about a month and a half ago. Uh, tell us your story. Uh, I was baptized. Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm a little nervous talking in front of people, so I'll try to make it quick. Um, I was baptized as a kid at a camp 
and uh, got baptized as everybody else was doing it. Um, <clears throat> grew up in the church, kind of fell away for a little while, and uh, about two years ago, trying to rebuild the relationship with the Lord again. And then uh, I've been having that gnawing feeling like I need to be baptized, but I kept looking back and thinking, oh, I, I was baptized, I was baptized. And then I heard the story about Annette that uh, Steve shared uh, about she came home and said, I was baptized as a kid. And you were like, what? <laughs> so um, that just really sunk sunk in with me, and I knew that's, what I, that's something I needed to do. Yeah, so you became, I mean, your faith came later, really. Yes. For you. Yeah. So a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I fell away from the Lord and uh, kind of did my own thing for about eight years and, uh, you know, kind of bumping around as I go. And uh, it was either hit rock bottom or go up, and I chose the high road. <laughs> and uh, and since two years, yeah, I mean, the Lord and I have been kicking it together, and mm. it's going good. <laughs> so glad. So glad. Thank you. Yeah, so, so there you go. You've got a couple of situations. These are grown men, but they've come to the realization, look, without faith, it's impossible. This is what the Bible says. It's impossible to please God. So you may be bumping along there thinking, well, I did this act when I was a kid, but actually there was no faith beforehand. And that would be, uh, yeah, my wife Annette, her story. When we were uh, first married, she similarly uh, realized, well, she was baptized, but it was out of peer pressure more than it was out of faith in, in Jesus. So that may be you today. Maybe you're here today and you think, well, yeah, I, I understand that. That's the way I am. I was baptized as an infant, sprinkled or whatever as an infant, but there was no faith. Or maybe even as a kid, I just did it because other people were doing it. Now, there is a third category. It could be that you're here today, and as a child, you chose to follow Jesus, and you were baptized, and you were clear about your faith as a child. But then over time, you just kind of distanced yourself from God. Now, in that scenario, I would say, no, you, you don't need to be rebaptized. The issue of baptism is faith. Was your fa- so for myself, I was eight years old when I became a Christian, started following Jesus then. Struggled with it some, but I was baptized as, a, as an eight-year-old. And so later on, I questioned, should I be baptized again? And clearly felt like, no, I don't need to be baptized again because actually there was faith present to begin with. So my baptism was a symbol. It pointed to Steve is marked. He is one of mine. And so it may be that you're here today and you're just far from God's people. You're far from God in terms of you've, you've strayed away from Him. But there was faith there and you were baptized believing in Jesus. You don't need to be baptized again. What we're talking about with these two guys, with Adam and Bill, is there was no faith present to begin with. And so now we're walking out and saying, now there's faith. So we're made a disciple. Now we're being marked as a disciple. And now we're on the journey of being matured as a disciple. In the Bible, there's a similar story to this. There's, uh, Paul, the apostle, gets around these guys in um, Acts chapter 19. They're, they're guys who come to him and he starts asking them, hey, are you a believer? And uh, have you received the Spirit since you believed? And they were kind of like, well, we were baptized in a baptism of repentance. In other words, they were baptized under John the Baptist, looking forward to Jesus coming, his ministry, but not actually believing in Jesus. And so what Paul does is he preaches the gospel and says, no, Jesus has come. Now you can receive him and be baptized and filled with the Spirit of God. 
There's all kinds of things that will point to in our lives and say, well, this is, why I'm a, this is what shows I'm a Christian, or that's what shows I'm a... What Paul points to there, and I think this is essential, is that the Holy Spirit is resident in your life. That is the primary thing. That's like the only thing. You may not go to church real regularly. You may not read your Bible all the time or pray all the time or witness to your friends all the time. But the Holy Spirit is resident within you, and you know that. He communicates to us that we're children, sons and daughters of God. That is the issue that Paul points to. Those guys, when they've received Christ and they've received the Holy Spirit, they are, they are baptized, rather, and then they actually receive the Holy Spirit as well. They walk in this confidence of who God is and what has happened to us. Now, you may have been baptized as a believer, and backslide, you don't have to, like, it's, you know, Annette and I don't trade, get new rings every week, you know. Uh, we, we'll keep the same rings for a lifetime because that's, that's a demonstration of our marriage. Okay, you're the same way. You don't have to be rebaptized. You just need to keep the ring on. You need to keep following, come back and repent back to Jesus. Say, hey, I want to come back home. Sorry for falling away. But you don't have to be rebaptized, okay? 